Welcome back to the Dustin Old Father Show, where we bring you extraordinary people from around the world to talk life, business, strategy, and whatever happens to come to mind to help you become even more extraordinary. I'm Dustin Old Father, and this is my podcast. Well, hello and welcome back. Today we are joined by Bob Yesbeck, the Rehoboth Foodie, a Renaissance man and a man of many talents. Uh, Bob, welcome to the show. Well, welcome, Dustin, and thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> All right. And so, uh, Bob, we have never formally dined together, although we have dined in the same room together. We have. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, as uh, uh, I think we were at Blue Coast um, and I remember there was a there was a really a kind of a bustle and a hubbub around your table. And I was like, what is going on over there? And they're like, oh, Bob's here. And I was like, OK, well, uh, so anyway, it's nice to to, uh, to get to spend some time with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have trouble relating to that hustle and bustle. Uh, a lot of times I'll try to get a corner. I mean, it's nice to have people come up and say hi to you. But, uh, you know, it's been it's been 15 years with RehobaFoodie.com. And in spite of myself, I've gotten to know a lot of these people. And some of them are really very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you, you know, you're an artist, you're a musician, you're obviously somebody who um, who's worked in cuisine. Um, what, what brought you here to the coast? And, and tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, uh, I've always been involved in music and the production of music and recording of music. Uh, when I was young, actually, I had a band. As, as Actually, I've had bands since my mid-teenage years, uh, played music. And uh, a lot of times people that get into music will sometimes uh, lose all a sense of and uh, boundaries and uh, get involved in music recording and video recording. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And uh, in my late teens, um, while still playing in the band, actually, we played full time in Ocean City in the late 60s, uh, shortly before the invention of electricity. So it was it was quite it was quite a challenge down there in the late 60s. But uh, the. Um, uh, I started a small recording studio, which eventually, in order to save you time and uh, bandwidth here, became a very large recording studio, mm-hmm. uh, one of the largest on the East Coast. And um, uh, it got bigger and bigger. And um, I was going to school. I was uh, uh, going for a pre-med and medical school and all that stuff and running the studio and playing in the band. And uh made a decision uh, shortly after getting into graduate school that I just couldn't do all those things at one time. And frankly, if I had closed the recording studio, I would have put 40, 50 people out of work. So um, I decided to uh, curtail the school, which is the best decision I've ever made in my life. And the recording studio continued to grow. And I continued to play for a while. I started a vocational school for recording engineering music production uh, back in the late 70s and uh, tied that in with the studio. I taught uh, as an adjunct professor at American University doing the same thing. I wrote there. Uh, they have a degree program there that I wrote and taught for, oh, my God, almost 15 years uh, in the early 90s. I started to get a little bit weary of all that. And uh, I started talking about maybe selling the recording studio, which at this point was very much a world-class studio. I mean, we had all kinds of uh, people recording there, you know, Barry Manilow, Barbara Streisand, Elton John. When they came to town and they needed um, a good studio, they would always come to us because we were by far the largest. And uh, 
a client of mine who used the studio said, well, you know what? You, you, you can't do this. I, I need your studio. And he's a very nice guy. He bought it from me. And to this day, he's almost tripled the size of it. He's doing wow. even better. The school continues using my curriculum. And um, I actually stayed there with him uh, as director of the school for 15 years after that. And uh, but finally was like, you know what? Used to drive down here every weekend to eat. Used to drive down to the beach every weekend to eat. And um, one of the things that I did after I sold the studio was start opening up some restaurants. You know, some people buy a red Corvette when they have their midlife crisis. <laughs> uh, my midlife crisis was restaurants. You know, do you know how many red Corvettes I could have bought <laughs> for right. what that cost me? Right, right, right. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, but uh, red Corvettes, uh, notwithstanding, uh, I got myself involved in some restaurants, including a really cool supper club uh, down in Old Town Alexandria. I was partners with uh, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac. Wow. And uh, also partners with some guys that had the Red Hot and Blue Barbecue franchise. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, some of us moved away from that. Um, and uh, I opened up my own restaurant shortly thereafter that I owned, wholly owned myself. It was a barbecue restaurant uh, with some of these guys from the barbecue operation. And that went on for a while. And then it was like, okay, I've had it. I'm sick and tired of the Washington Beltway. It takes five oh, hours to get everywhere. They're probably tired of cleaning the smoker, too. Uh, well, um, that is exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> and there were times as the owner, you know, you are the first one. If nobody shows up, you clean the smoker. And I let me tell you, I could work that dish machine, too. I could some kind of work the dishwashing machine. I love being a dishwasher. It was one of my, my favorite jobs. I was great at it. And um, we do have barbecue in common. Uh, and when I was uh, in my teens, one of the uh, the first you know healthy jobs that I had was working with um, True Fit Barbecue, and so I kind of started you know putting putting the uh, putting the uh, the dishes through. Started off as a dishwasher and eventually oh, yeah. moving around. You know, I was such a good dishwasher. You know, uh, they, like, <laughs> they didn't want to lose you, right? <laughs> right, yeah, right, exactly. But <laughs> so they would keep me. Sometimes I would do both. You know, and they kind of straddled me. But they, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, inevitably, I always ended up cleaning the the, uh, the grease traps for everybody, which is, as you know, it's a. Uh, this is a uh, a very special experience. And it's so, a very uh, special experience. If that doesn't make you want to leave the restaurant business, nothing. Anybody that can go through that and still be in the restaurant business will be good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about barbecue. Um, there's been a couple places that have been popping up in the area. You know, that's something that, of interest to um, people that are visiting. Obviously, we're sensitive to the uh, the current uh, pandemic environment. Um, you know, but uh, but dining outside and, and the safe social distance is certainly um, uh, allowable. Where uh, where are some uh, some barbecue restaurants that you uh, recommend or that you think people should know about? Well, I'll tell you, I am partial to um, Bethany Blues. Mm -hmm. uh, they started out a little rough, and I'm the first one to tell them that uh, okay. when they first started getting the barbecue. Uh, Put together and i think it was it took them a very very short time to realize that barbecue is indeed a culture in itself mm -hmm. uh as a lot of regional things are pizzas like that uh you'll go to 10 different places in the country and you'll get 10 completely different kinds of pizza 
<laughs> and it's the same thing with barbecue. You've got uh, North Carolina, but you have Eastern North Carolina and Western North Carolina, and the sauces are totally different. <laughs> My restaurant was Memphis style. Uh, um, Red Hot, and, Red Hot and Blue. See, you got me on that track now. Uh, Bethany Blues uh, has uh, both Memphis style and they have a North Carolina style. Uh, it's actually the Eastern with the vinegar uh, rather than the mustard and, you know, the vinegar and the pepper. Um, and they ha I think they have hit the ground running uh, with it. Um, there's a few other places. There's a wonderful little truck called Smoke and D's. Uh, nice, nice mm -hmm. people. And they're up at the intersection of 16 and Coastal Highway going into Milton. And I had them on my radio show a while ago. What'd you say? I'm in Boehner's Mill right now. They're right behind oh, me. Will you, will, could you walk over there and give me a rack of ribs? He's closed, unfortunately. Yeah. But nice, nice people. I had them on my radio show as a guest just a few weeks ago. And... Um, he, they do a very, very nice job. They're really nice people. There's a new place that I have not been to yet. Actually, I'm going tomorrow night, uh, Annabelle's down in Ocean City. And uh, I know that when people hear this, tomorrow won't be tomorrow. I, I deal with that sometimes when I tape my radio show. I tell people, remember, this is Saturday. Uh, a lot of times I do the show live, but if it's like that, I have to tell them. Uh, but it's owned by the people, um, uh, John Trader who has Our Harvest and who has, uh, of course, Liquid Assets, which is an iconic restaurant in Ocean City. So this is his uh, his venture into barbecue. And I'm going to be trying that tomorrow night as the Rehoboth foodie. I'm going to try to sneak in so I can just be me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so so where where do you like to have barbecue around here? Well, uh, you mentioned Liquid Assets. I mean, what a fabulous restaurant and great addition. Oh, yeah. yeah to the culinary uh, scene here on the coast. And I'm excited to hear they're going to the barbecue. I haven't been to the new restaurant yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we, we're big fans of Bethany Blues. Um, and, and I do agree that they, um, they iterated when they first started. One of the things about them is those portions are really substantial. So you, oh never, my goodness, yes. you never leave there hungry. Oh, um, yeah. As opposed to some of you know, the, the fine dining experiences where you want a hamburger after you had, or after you had dessert. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe the stories that I hear from people saying, well, I went to and I'm not going to say the name because I have to live here. Uh, but there's several restaurants and say and afterwards we went and got a slice at Louie's. <laughs> I was still hungry. Uh, yeah. And that's all I could afford afterwards. Um, <laughs> that's all you could afford after being there anyway. Right. You know, you get a little tiny piece of fish the size of a postage stamp with a grape cut on a bias, you know. It's 50 bucks. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but, you know, not to, to, to discourage people from some of the fine dining experience. No, no. We have some wonderful spots in town. There really are. There really are. So while we're kind of on, you know, on comfort food, you, you mentioned pizzas. What are, what are a couple of sleepers that maybe people don't know about that you're like, well, this is a great local business to, to support. You might not know about them, but you definitely should try them. I'll tell you, I am a pizza maniac. I don't know whether you read my columns in the Cape Gazette from time to time, but from time to time, I just have to sit down and do one of my pizza roundups. And I really grew up with pizza. My parents, I really believe to this day, were addicted to pizza. I think they should have been in a support group. Uh, I mean, they would go out and bring it home and each of us would have a slice. You know, it was cool. Um it's a very but, communal experience. It's kind of like Ethiopian food. You're you're kind of in it together, and 
yeah. things and you're all in the box and you know yeah. remember we, we would you know not do dishes we'd rip the top of the box off and cut it into fours and is a little more tactical and and uh, together yes no you're absolutely right i'll tell you there are some sleepers around here i think one believe it or not is pat's family pizzeria in lewis it's in a little strip center across from the auto mall called mariner plaza mm -hmm. and he has two kinds of pizza and he's a greek guy alex cotonitis super nice guy and uh, his family owns all the different uh, uh, Pat's stores. There's a couple in Pennsylvania. There's a few upstate. And he has uh, a thicker pizza that is almost like a deep dish, but it's not served like that. He calls it his Greek pizza. And I said, what separates that from your regular round thin and crispy pizza, which he also serves? And he says, basically, it's it's thicker and there's more cheese on it. So if you like cheese, that Greek pizza will get your attention. Uh, there's another spot that really, uh, of course, Touch of Italy with their those. They have that Neapolitan pizza down. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a home run every time. It is a home run every time. Actually, uh, the owner sent his uh, guys. Pizzaiola is the name of a guy who makes a pizza. I just recently discovered this. He sent his pizzaiolas uh, to Las Vegas to do a program and then enter a contest. And they came in in the entire country, like third or fourth in the entire country for the Neapolitan style wood fired pizza. Wow. So yeah. they do a nice job. And there's a number, there's a few little places, Revelation Craft Brewery. Mm -hmm. They have a truck there, the Daniza pizza truck that was used to be out of Salisbury. That is a surprisingly good pizza. Uh, I like that very much. Um, another place we like, of course, we were talking about Ocean City. Any talk of Ocean City must include Lido's. Mm -hmm. But the only people who will get that will be people from Maryland. Mm -hmm. uh, they have the Maryland band, uh, brand recognition, uh, and it is most certainly the Lido's pizza. It's, an, it's a very unusual pizza in that it is, it is rectangular. Uh, so they say we don't cut corners. So that's their thing. But Lido's has been around for well over 50 years. Yeah. And uh, But there's another little spot that you got me thinking now. You ever been to Pete's Steak Shop? It's supposedly cheese steaks only. No, I haven't. I've been. I've passed it a couple of times, and just we haven't had the right occasion to go. He has a very good pizza too, and it's kind of a sleeper. When they first opened, it was all about cheesesteaks, and the late Frank Vasilikos, who opened it, super super nice guy. You probably know you being in the realtor business. You probably know his brother Mike, mm -hmm. uh, and um, it was all about cheesesteaks. And I started writing about the pizza. And he would call me up and he says, you know, the pizza is kind of an afterthought. You got to write about the." I said, you can have your cheesesteaks. They're very good. But your pizza is your pizza is actually quite good. Well, it's since been sold. Wonderful guy. A Petru Cornescu owns it, owns it now. He used to work there in the dish room. There it is joining us in the dish room, Dustin. That's where it all starts, right? Yeah. And uh, he does a great job. He has a, a button on his computer called Thin and Crispy. And you can poke it and this pizza comes out thin and crispy and i'm a thin and crispy maniac so so that's a few of the places you know i'm going to think of 10 more after we go off the air but uh uh those are some of my when i just want a pizza that makes me happy those those are some of my go-to's yeah and each was a little different experience on the dining the uh, the owner of touch of italy was very kind to us on our visits um obviously we're not dining as frequently as we used to 
Um, but uh, always made a point of, of getting some cookies for the kids or asking them to come back and, uh, and to just uh, make an inviting environment. And so right. thank you, uh, as uh, John Donato uh, used to say, you know, when the, when the owner's away, you can taste it in the soup. <laughs> and that would be something John would say. John is so very clever and what a great artist on top of it all, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love John, but you, you have that experience of, of an owner who cares and is close to it. You get that experience yeah. at the whole restaurant. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's its own experience, you know, with the, uh, the meats and cheeses kind of hanging and drying and, and then the, uh, the fresh made cookies. It's a, uh, and, and something to note is that, you know, that's brick oven pizza and brick yes. oven often is, is a little finicky. So you're absolutely right. They have it down to a science. And yeah. I can tell you how many times we've got brick oven pizzas where it's kind of soggy and yeah. doesn't quite doesn't quite check the box. You're like, well, yeah. you know, I, I'm excited about the brick oven, but I want it to be cooked all the way. Well, this is why I tell people and Bob Ciprietti will kill me. Rick Thomas from Mr. P's will kill me, oh but I, but I'm, I'm going to lock the doors and make sure I'm armed. Don't get a wood fired pizza to go. If you do yeah. eat it immediately, people say to me, well, I went to touch of Italy and I picked it up and then I, you know, drove to Dover with it or something. And it was, it was cold and it was soft. And I thought, what do you think that pizza was doing in that box? It was steaming in that box. While you were driving to Dover or Millsboro, wherever the heck you wanted to go with the pizza, wood-fired pizzas, I strongly believe, and the Denisa pizza is also wood-fired, by the way. And I didn't mention I didn't mention Mr. P's. He does an amazing job up there in Lewis, across from the Big Oyster Brewery, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I believe that if you're going to do a wood-fired pizza to go, you got to plan your timing down to. Quite possibly the split second. I'm pretty obsessed with this stuff. <laughs> uh, I am on medication for it. And get it out of the box. And uh, if you have to heat it, reheat it, do it on a 500 degree pizza stone, go out to Kitchen and Company, buy a pizza stone and uh, get that thing up to 500 degrees and let it just sit on there for a couple of minutes. Uh, and then it'll be just like it was when it came out of the oven. So usually when I see complaints like that, I do not publish them because those pizzas are just like you said, they're very finicky. The oven is finicky to work. Depends on the weather. That's I mean, you, you get Rick Thomas and Mr. P's talking about the weather and every day this different, if it's raining, if it's windy, if it's this or is that the way they cook the pizzas has to change. Yeah. And, you know, obviously where we're at in real estate, people don't know our background, but, you know, growing up, I worked in a number of pizzerias. You uh, did. Lucky Luciano's when I was in my teens, I was actually a oh, man. manager. It was one of my first manager jobs. Uh -huh. But uh, I will tell you, you know, from, from <laughs> quite a few years of making pizza, that the dough is really the, the challenging part, getting it, getting it to rise and to set and prove correctly. It, it's its own art. And if that's off, which gets into humidity and temperature right. and stuff, then, then the pizzas are off too. So, right. Have you ever eaten pizza in the Bronx, uh, Dustin? Yeah. 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 Um, there is a place called Louie and Ernie's. If okay. you haven't eaten there, fire up your uh, Dustin corporate jet and fly <laughs> up there immediately. It is so good. I mean, it's so and you know who turned me on to it? Bob Ciprietti from Touch of Italy. Uh, I go up there with him and Bulldog from Ocean 98. And it's just amazing. And I say to these guys, what is it? And they look at me and they say, it's the water. 
It's the water in New York that we use to make the dough. Makes sense. Yeah, it's probably its own mineral profile, and and uh, that does change the uh, the the uh, the taste experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I learned that lesson from a sommelier who who was saying before I knew anything about wine. Not that I know a lot, but you know, I, I can I can match red with red with red, um, white with white, and um, he just uh, he was an importer exporter on one of the islands in the Caribbean. Got wiped out um, at some point with a in a hurricane, so his whole business was basically his life's work was kind of shot. And then he had kind of come back to uh, to the mainland and was was working in an Italian restaurant. Actually, this was um, Le, uh, Lebrano's. Uh, the Lebrano's restaurant. I forgot. I think they're also called the Italian market in Annapolis. And where'd you say it was again? In the Virgin uh, Islands? Well, yeah, he was in the, uh, he was in the Virgin Islands. Oh, wow. Wow. Virgin that's Island. neat. You've so, been around, man. <laughs> well, I've been around <laughs> restaurants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and have a lot of affection for restaurants. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's honest, noble work and it's hard work. Um, a lot of late nights and, um, and, uh, and people that do it, you know, put their hearts on a plate um, when it's done right. Yeah. So when people ask you, when people interview, see, notice I I can't stand it. I have to interview you too. When people ask you why you got into real estate, do you tell them it's because I owned a restaurant? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did manage a couple of restaurants. I I managed Chili Billy's to the end. Oh, uh, yeah. Until the end of the money. Um, (laughs) Until the money ran out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a very uh, tragic, uh, you know, uh, uh, cautionary tale, you know, uh, the owner had taken a really big severance at, uh, at Beck's Brewing and then oh. like almost a million dollars in that building, which actually looks like it's going to be taken down here probably sometime soon. Yeah. Um, but I digress. Uh, that was an interesting concept too, the Nuevo Latino and, um, and, and, uh, and we had rock for a while. It was a really cool spot. They, they went a little heavy on the piano bars and then, you know, then they kind of, uh, digressed into, uh, give me, I have my uh, do not disturb one. So I thought that was me, but that's you, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me get this guy off. Um, no, that's okay. This will give you a chance to bone up on your editing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I can't. It's it's locked up right now. We'll just have to deal with it. Um, so uh, you were talking about uh, the uh, the place you would work for. They're going to take the building down, and oh, they had yeah, a, yeah, talking about chili, yeah, about about chili billies. Yeah, you know that was a it was a a big swing, you know, and and he, you know, Billy felt like you had to go with a three restaurant concept to really be able to to grow or expand or to get investors, and yeah, it went down that path, and and it didn't work out. It also it goes back to no to matching your market. I think they made some poli- some political mistakes um, as far as uh, their postures about some things locally that really turned off the town. Yeah, uh, but I but I love them and they're they're great people and you know Billy's got his Key West story now so I know that makes him happy. Yeah, because um, he he he'll be down at uh, Sloppy Joe's. That's part of his uh, his routine, kind of you know walking in the uh, in the in the steps of Hemingway. He's an oh, yeah. interesting, interesting man, um, Bob. Tell us about a few chefs that everybody should know about here on the coast. Kind of stepping up into maybe that a little higher level cuisine. Well, there's been a bit of a shakeup when it comes to people who I really uh, consider chefs. I'll sometimes call a guy who's the head cook, head head cook at a restaurant. Yeah. I'll use the word chef respectfully, but there we don't have that many chefs, and I'm talking about with a capital C. Yeah. 
Uh, chefing is a lot more than just turning out good meals. Uh, chefing is managing a, re- uh, a kitchen properly, uh, man- handling the costs. And you know this, having managed restaurants. I'm not yeah. telling you anything you don't know. You've it's done very this. Very low margin business. It's very low margin. I mean, they're lucky if they're lucky if they put 5% down to the bottom line. Uh, this is the reason why there isn't any real money unless you have, uh, I mean, look at Sodell Concepts at their incredible success. They're local. They've always been local, will always be local. But with 12 restaurants, they can afford to make it through some of the terrible things that have been done to restaurants in the last six, seven, eight, nine months uh, because they can make it up in volume. Uh, it makes me sad that some of our smaller restaurants, there was a wonderful, wonderful uh, guy. He was one of the owners, he and his wife, that had a little Italian spot downtown called um, uh, Azzurro. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had some health problems, but they would have made it through had it not been for the mandates uh, for them to lose money that came uh, from on high. And so they had to close. He was a great cook, and I would border on calling him a chef. Uh, other people in town who I would definitely call a chef, uh, Hari Cameron. Now, he closed Amuse, as we know. Mm-hmm. A very talented guy, bordering on crazy. And if he were sitting next to me, he would laugh because I tell him that all the time. Uh, right now, he's, 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 he's putting all his effort into mac and cheese. Which is not a bad concept. <laughs> not a bad you know, concept like, at all. Chef? Uh, yeah, that no. would be a franchise I would invest in because I know that is never going out of fashion. No, absolutely. And I think he's going to be offering it just like that in some time, sometime in the future. I think he's working on that now. There's another chef who walked away from his position for no other reason than the health problems that plague chefs. And that, of course, would be Lion Gardner. Yeah. Uh, from the Blue Moon. Oh, uh, Lion has stepped back. Yeah, Lion and I worked together over the years as well. Yeah, an incredibly like talented chef. Incredibly I they, talented yeah, chef. I remember when they took the step to buy the restaurant. That was a big deal. You know, it was a big deal. I mean, she was a server up the road uh, at what is now, I guess, I don't know whether it was a Guana Grill then or not, but she was there serving. And uh, he was just, you know, uh, you know, line cook, that sort of thing. But I think he has proven himself amazingly. Um, I also believe that... Um, uh, oh, I can't remember his first name. Davis. Uh, I know you know who I'm talking about. Mishy's. Uh, uh, he is also a talented chef. Uh, Mishy's Relaxed Dining. Uh, isn't that terrible? I'm having a, 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 a brain problem on his first name, but his last name's Davis, and that's the most important. I got to look him up in the phone book. I can find him. Uh, Richard Davis. Richard Davis. You know, sometimes I reach exceeded available amount of RAM with all these chefs and these restaurants, and I try to get to know everybody who the manager is. Um, uh, so we've had some chefs locally that are now gone, uh, mercifully, several of them gone. Um, I believe that uh, Chef Gigi Gupta is oh, very, yeah. very talented mm-hmm. up at Ross in Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things, I mean, if you go in there and they're not busy, he will make you some off menu things that will hurt your feelings. I'm telling you something (laughs) you'll have to be, uh, he's brought some things to the table. It's Bob, try this. He'll yell at me (laughs) and I'll go, Gigi, how did you come up with this? It's just this. It's just that all simple things, but he has the ability to make a whole brand new taste out of them. 
You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the things that separates the chefs from the cooks is the ability to imagine unrelated ingredients into something that nobody has ever tasted before. And I think the Lion Gardeners and the Hari Camerons of the world and the Richard Davises of the world and the Gigi Guptas of the world have the ability to do that. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Chef Hari. And at one point we were, you know, st- we always wanted to highlight local businesses and and to support where we could marketing wise, because, you know, we have a big audience and a lot of people that are interested in the area and, and sometimes don't know where to go. Part of why we're doing this today and um, and so we did a, a VR tour for uh, for Chef's Restaurant, and um, and so as a thank you, he he, he invited us out to dinner, and then um, uh, you know we had a lovely meal, and then at the end he had a very special dessert that he wanted to serve us, which was a bone marrow Oreo cookie served with turnip milk. Oh. And, it was the most, and I was like, I was like, wow, you know what? I'm not really that hungry. <laughs> And, um, and I, and, excuse and me. Then, uh, you know, and then you know David. David with his leopard hair. He was like, "Oh no, chef oh, insists." Chef insists. <laughs> yeah, and when when David says the chef insists, you you better make sure your affairs are in order. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I have to tell you, it was one of the most amazing pairings. Yeah. Know, the, the bone marrow like cream was about this thick, and then it was a you know handmade Oreo cookie. It was absolutely delicious. The turnip milk pairing was amazing and beautiful. And as you described, it's one of those things where you, things that you or I are, are, would not necessarily put together, um, they have a way of magically synthesizing these flavor profiles that really take you someplace yeah. else. So. Yeah. And, and that, as I said, and I don't mean to say head cook or head chef or uh, in any disparaging way at all. We have some people around here that are incredibly talented. But when I use the word chef and I use it in a respectful manner in italics with a capital C, mm-hmm. uh, it's people like Cameron and uh, uh, Lion Gardner and uh, Gigi and these people who uh, have that ability to take bone marrow and oreo what are you thinking hari oh, and then you taste it and it's like oh my god like, yeah. where have i been all my life right where, where have you been all my life yeah and now he's banging out the mac and cheese like there's no tomorrow he even has a truck bless his yeah. heart so he's doing hey, all right i think the, i think the margins are good in pasta uh, <laughs> especially when you make it yourself (laughs) right exactly yeah yeah. he always works with the finest ingredients and uh and that was one of his signatures was always fresh local um you know beautiful food and then making it even uh more beautiful yeah i'm I'm gonna mention another chef i'm sitting here thinking god i'm gonna get hate mail uh i get lots of hate mail trust me if you leave out a restaurant or every week and we'll we'll put it we'll, we'll add them back in there well, I was going to say, um, I do not want to at all uh, miss Chef Doug Ruley. Uh, he is another one of these people who invents things that nobody believes could be invented, and they taste absolutely great. He is now, of course, the vice president of Sodel Concepts, uh, pretty much still directing the culinary direction of Sodel Concepts. But he started out as a line cook, for goodness sakes, down at the old original uh, – it wasn't Blue Coast. It was Redfin. Remember, uh, that became Blue Coast down in Bethany Beach. Restaurant, or was that uh, Matt's second restaurant? No, that was actually Matt's third restaurant. Uh, By the time Matt took over Redfin and turned it into Blue Coast, he already had um, uh, a Northeast Seafood Kitchen 
and he already had, if I remember correctly, he already had fish on running too up in Lewis. Mm -hmm. And that was, so I think it was number three and now they have 12. And we knew Matt when he was, you know, also a, a chef um, at the Blue Moon. You know, at the Blue Moon and even at uh, member, what was it? The third edition That's right. where Stingray is now. Mm -hmm. And I, we actually, he and Greg Talcott, Greg Talcott, uh, I think he still owns the uh, owns the building. He owns the building across the street too, where uh, the new Big Fish uh, Italian place is. Uh, oh my goodness, starts with an S. I'll think of it in the middle of your conversation. Uh, but he was just he was just a line cook there, and it's a, it's funny. They said, you know, he wasn't all that good, you know. But Matt was a very fast learner, and. He knew he had a sense for this sort of thing. And Doug Rowley still, um, I believe he channels Matt Haley. I really do believe that. He and Scott Kammerer, who is, of course, Scott's the president of Sodell Concept. I think they channel Matt Haley because when I talk to them, I hear Matt talking. And they've been able to maintain that philosophy for the restaurant. But Rowley is scary. Um, and there are some other guys too that work for them now. Uh, 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 Ronnie Burkle, uh, amazing chef. And uh, there's four or five different guys that uh, work for them that I would call chefs by bowing my head respectfully. And it's an interesting and amazing legacy that has uh, lived on past Matt. Um, for, those of, uh, for those of us who don't know Matt's story, um, what would you share about your experience with Matt and kind of watching uh, what happened to, throughout his life um, and then what's lived on beyond him. Matt has had a life that someone's going to have to write a book. I mean, he was incarcerated as a felon. Uh, he was actually carried off in paddy wagons. Uh, he had a he had a terrible issue, and he is the first to tell you. I'm not saying anything out of school. A first to no, issue. He, he was very open about that too. Oh, the, he the was list. very open about it. And when he became when he got in the position to do this, he focused on helping people who are in prison, uh, uh, training them how to get into the food service and be able to cook and be proud of themselves and uh, create a life for themselves in food service, which people can do. Uh, but he had, he had a wild story. It's very funny, Matt and I crossed paths years ago when he was a teenager. And I'm not gonna bore you with the story, but in one of my very early recording studios back in Kensington, Maryland, uh, the local kids used to sneak in and try to peek into the front door. Uh, we would occasionally have big names there. We would have people that would come in and you see a limo pull up. Not every day. I mean, this is Kensington, Maryland now. It's not <laughs> New York City. But from time to time, somebody would be in town who had an, we, Bob Hope was there and all these different people. We've had different people in there for different productions. And one of those kids who used to sneak in and we'd chase him away with a stick was a young Matt Haley. And Matt knew that, I didn't. When we first met, he found out that I was the owner of Omega Studios. And he said, you remember that kid you used to call him the bum? <laughs> I said, yeah, we'd say bum alert. And the lady at the front desk would say, get out of here. Get out, get out, don't, don't, that man. He said, that was me. And I get chills every time I think about that because this was back in the early seventies. And, um, so it was a lot of fun. And then Matt and I ran into one other again and we just really kind of clicked. He lived right around the corner from me in Rehoboth Beach. 
and always did. So he'd come by the house and we would talk. He he liked my fried chicken and I was very proud of that, you know. Well, to be said for the, the cuisine that he developed. I know, I know. He's a beautiful chef. Yeah, yeah, he's an amazing guy. And it was very, very sad when he had, he loved uh, helping these little towns and these little, these little hamlets in uh, India. And uh, one day it got the better of him on a motorcycle and we don't have him anymore. Um, we have him in spirit though. I mean, the, uh, the Sodal restaurants have really carried the torch forward. And they truly have. And they truly, truly developed. Have. And, and truly yeah. developed. Uh, I, I will say, you know, I, uh, seeing um, the uh, the two restaurants go up um, uh, and Thompson Island yeah. um, has just been a, a, a lovely surprise. Um, you know, farm to table, beautiful food, um, a very open decor. It's a place that you can still feel comfortable with. There's lots of space to, uh, to, be, yeah. sa to safely dine. Um, and then you just see it throughout the region. I remember when he opened Matt's Fish Camp in that in that bait and tackle shop. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, down near Bethany Beach. And I was like, I don't know, Matt. And then we served everything in little plastic containers, and you know, it was it was it was uh, rustic to say the least. Well, I'm going to tell you a funny story. And I uh, had Scott Cameron on the show several years ago after Matt had passed, and he told me about. Matt's fish camp and Matt was going to India at one of his many trips to India and they he had said find me a spot for another restaurant this would have been restaurant number six I think uh, find me a place for another restaurant uh, and here's some ideas and they were talking on cell phone from India and it kept dropping in and out and he mentioned a spot in Lewis where he wanted to put Matt's fish camp in downtown Lewis this was long before the Matt's fish camp in Lewis mm -hmm. But the phone had dropped out and uh, Scott thought he was talking about a spot they'd looked at before, which was that little – it was actually a bait and tackle shop, but it was actually a little sandwich shop restaurant down there pretty much on the beach mm -hmm. uh, near the old Nomad Village bar that used to be down there on the highway. And so Scott went off, got the property, started building the restaurant, bought, bought all the equipment, put all these people in there. Matt comes back and says, what the hell did you do? I wanted the restaurant in the wood. It's crazy. And he went, you know, Matt was not a calm person when he was upset. Everybody within a 30 or 40 foot radius knew that. And Scott said, well, just come and see it. Just come and see it. Come and look at it. And uh, he told me that Matt was almost in tears, how much he loved it and loved what Scott had done. And Matt got involved in the construction, finished up the construction, and uh, the Matt's Fish Camp, the two Matt's Fish Camps we have are now because of that. Yeah, and it, it's, it should be noted, too, that he created a, a, a training legacy yes. where he encouraged people to explore and, uh, and gave uh, lots of opportunities to minorities. You mentioned that the people that had been incarcerated, people that were, uh, I won't say down and out, but people who needed a chance. And he continued to create that. How many how many restaurants have, have survived him? Is this 11, 12, 13? It, uh, uh, the, um, including Crust and Craft, uh, Thompson Island is the most recent, and that is number 12. Yeah. Uh, and it, you want to talk about training. If you get a job at Sodell Concepts to be on the floor, uh, you do not go on the floor for at least three or four weeks. 
They have an actual classroom training process. You have to take written tests. If you don't pass the test, you have to go back and do the training again. And I think that their service, no service will ever be perfect because it involves human beings. You're always going to have one bad apple or at least a semi-bad apple. But uh, I think this is one of the reasons why the restaurant does so well, because I believe service is king here at the beach. I think people will forgive a meal that isn't perfect if the server handles it right and was pleasant and made the experience nice. But my experience with RehobothFoodie.com and the thousands of emails that I get a year is that people won't forget. And I'm not talking about service because the server isn't bad service because the server's not good if they apologize i'm so sorry i forgot to bring your appetizer that sort of thing but if it's offhanded service or rude people remember it and i'm telling you as the curator of my six or seven mailboxes uh it's amazing how long people remember that but they'll go back if they got a steak that wasn't perfect they'll go back again and try again if the server took care of things right or the manager took care of things right and we didn't talk about steakhouses. Or who would be on your short list if someone was coming in from out of town um, to get a nice, nice cabernet and uh, and uh, and a fillet? Seventeen seventy-six. He's going on thirty-three years there. I always tease him. I say, "God, Tom, you must be doing something right." Uh, right. Thirty-three years in Midway Center. Believe it or not. Right. It's very uh, unassuming. You, you're, you're, it's unexpected because it's right next to the movie theater and you think it's yeah. going to be a, uh, you know, maybe more of a, com a commercial experience. No. Very elegant. And, and You walk in there, it's quiet. If he has live music, it's very quiet. It's piano. He has a big piano in there that people play. He has a couple people that play for them. Um, my band has even played there. Uh, but we most certainly have to mind our P's and Q's and our volume because it is a fine dining steakhouse. Uh, but no, I believe that he has the corner on it. Uh, there are some other places that do have nice steaks. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think Blackwall Hitch does a nice job with a steak. Mm -hmm. But if you want a choice of seven or eight different cuts, everything where they make the difference between Porterhouse and T-Bone, these are two different steaks. They're cut from different ends of the loin, as you know. Uh, and they have two different fillets and you'll sometimes get that gigantic bone in ribeye and uh, or so you have a huge choice there and he has two partners now the chef the head chef is his business partner there and everybody knows Johnny Farquhar behind the bar uh, and he's a partner there too so here you've got the owners and the bosses that are in the key positions head bartender head chef front of house manager and owner. Um, I just don't see how anybody could do any better over the long haul than 1776. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Johnny, is a, he's a special personality. He is a lot of fun. Yeah. He's, got a, he's got a real sharp wit and a sharp tongue if, you, if you're if you up for it. He, he makes yeah. it a lot of fun, but at the same time, just an amazing server. Yeah. An amazing guy. He's a lot. Of, he's a, he's a really interesting, thoughtful person. He's a very funny guy. Uh, you you were talking about David Engel before with the hair. Yeah. I think of them as very similar. And people always say David Engel's rude or Johnny Farquhar is rude. Oh, get over yourself. They they have a very dry humor, and that's what good bartenders do. You know, they people don't want to be fawned on after the third gin and tonic, or maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> 
I know that they keep their keep your glass full. I'm always like, David, 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 I'm, I'm good. And he's like, oh, it's okay. I'll do, I'm just gonna go ahead. He fills it when you're not um, looking, Dustin. He fills it when you're not looking. <laughs> the only time I ever had to be driven home from a restaurant in my entire life, and I was driven home by Hari Cameron was when we went to amuse we sat at the bar and every time i turned to talk to somebody and look the other way i'd look back and my drink was full yes and i you know i'm i had to be in detox for two days <laughs> <laughs> oh man i can't wait to see him again uh he's been on the scene for a long time too we've known david for years um and also what a, what another great soul did you used to go by any chance are you a dc guy no, I, I grew up uh, outside of D.C., uh, but was young when I was there, so I wasn't oh, okay. scene, So He used to wait tables, and we remember him from waiting tables at the Old Ebbett Grill, oh, which is a famous, famous old restaurant. It's now owned by the Clyde's Hospitality Group, but they still kept it. It's an old place, been there for year, like over 100 years it's been there. Uh, it's right next to the Treasury Building at 15th and New York Avenue. And uh, it is, um, I remember this guy waiting on us, and it was David Engel. And he is one of a kind. I remember when he was at La La Land um, oh. and that experience back in the bamboo uh, down on uh, uh, Wilmington uh, Avenue. Yeah, Wilmington, down on Wilmington Avenue and yeah. Yum Yum, uh, Planet X. There was such a such a vibrant uh, scene downtown and still, yeah. still exists, but it, that was where things were a little wilder. Um, which I think was for the good for the most part. Um, I understand you got to keep things, uh, you know, copacetic for, for, for people that are visiting, but uh, there was a time where it was very loose and relaxed and, um, and, yep. and uh, there's a lot of tension right now in a lot of different places. Yeah. Well, a lot of this tension has been caused by what's going on. There's a, it's sad. There's a lot of anger downtown, a lot of anger. And I think you're seeing it evidenced by the many restaurants that have been down there for years that are leaving downtown and going out on the highway uh, because they can't survive with the small spaces the pond is an example uh he he just he, he's having trouble surviving in this 30 percent nonsense and the 60 percent nonsense and all these arbitrary numbers that are pulled out of somebody's hat and what it's doing is it's putting restaurants out of business. I feel bad for the father and son team that own Indigo. Mm -hmm. uh, they had, they were so excited. They were doing so well. People love Indigo. Mm -hmm. And he opened a store in Columbia, Maryland that already had three Indian restaurants and he was doing great. And after this craziness happens, he lost, he was in a location that was very, very busy for lunch. It was an industrial park kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when all this stuff happened and nobody came to work anymore, he just had to walk away from it. He lost every penny. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the casualties of, you know, of, of businesses locally or the small businesses, that's what's really, really yep. going in, in its yep. Families. I mean, I mentioned Azuro, husband and wife, husband and wife. They'd always wanted to do this. And it was the last straw. And of course, they had, there were health problems involved. Look at Gilligan's in Lewis. Mm -hmm. Look at Gilligan's in Milton. Uh, and, they, were, they were there for a cup of coffee. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, and it's not done yet. Uh, I know places that are getting ready to turn the key. I don't want to say anything in the event that they somehow decide not to. But there are some places that have been around here for a long time that are mainstays that are going to have for lease signs in front of them.
because mm. of this extended craziness. I know it, 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 we're, we got a reprieve with the uh, with the summer um, uh, kind of relaxing of the uh, of, of travel bans. At the same time, it, it was also hard locally because we're all very isolated, you know, on the coast. So it is easy to stay away from. Uh, from the exposure but when you've got people from all different areas that are commuting in which is what we all depend on yeah and you know it just it's just a bad deal all the way around oh you're right you're right bob if if you had to recommend one album they don't call them albums anymore but you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, look at me you can call um, them albums <laughs> one, one film and one book for the national curriculum what do you what would they be Wow. See, I've been in the music recording business for a long time. So you're opening up a Pandora's box of crazy when you ask me a question like that. You got to pick one. That's what makes it hard. I would probably say, since you got me on the spot and the little red light is lit here on my screen, so we're recording, um, Nightfly by Donald Fagan. Ah, I saw those guys. Yeah. Four of you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, unusual, very unusual album. This, of course, he was Steely Dan, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a departure from Steely Dan. It's a little bit more. It's a little bit more musical in terms of, uh, you know, he's an amazing musician. Incredible. He's the Harry Cameron of the piano, if you will. Donald Fagan. He creates score that when, when we're trying to learn songs of his in my band. I'll say to the others, and they think it's an excuse because I'm the keyboard player. I say, this chord does not exist <laughs> in the world unless there's a piano, an organ, and a guitar all playing different notes. And that's where this chord comes from. And that's what Donald Fagan does. Wow. Now, I'm not saying I don't love other music. I mean, I have really two bands. Well, I have one that does jazz. We do a lot of Sinatra. And the other band does more rock. We do Booker T and the MGs, the Doobie Brothers, Three Dog Night, you know, covers that people like around here. Uh, but um, I would say that that one uh, uh, gets my attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what else did you ask me? What uh, a book? Yeah. A book and one movie you think every you know every young person should be exposed to in their in their education well here comes some more crazy because since i love food and i love the history of food and things like that there is a book called much depends on dinner okay. I, I see the look of horror on your face wow. <laughs> um i want to order it right now but when you read it, uh, and there's another book that was just, uh, I'm going to go off screen for a second and reach across my desk, which is too big. It makes me feel important, but I have to reach. Don't go anywhere. Uh, well, you are important. Oh, listen to you. As I drop everything on the floor here and make a scene. There's another book that I have just begun reading that I'm enjoying very much by a guy named Rick Bragg. I hope that the light, there you go. Mm-hmm. And Excellent. it is called The Best Cook in the World. And he talks about these tales from my mama's southern table. But it's not a recipe book. And it will, it will, he talks about the recipes, but he talks about the whole history, the story, the pie that never was. Chocolate pie, toasted coconut pie, buttermilk pie. He had once been a go-getter, old man Reardon, and it goes on from there. Mm -hmm. And each recipe 
has an incredibly engaging story. So I'm going to have to say right now what I'm loving. I've always loved Much Depends on Dinner. But this Rick Bragg book, The Best Cook in the World, was recommended to me by a dear, dear friend. He owns Mid-South Audio in uh, Milton, uh, um, Kevin Short. You might know him. Mm-hmm. And um, he also has a band called Big Hat No Cattle. It's a um, great name, isn't it? It's a great name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, and you know, I played in bands almost my whole life. I played for 30 years in Washington, D.C., and then started here. I think I heard you play, actually. Did you sit in with, uh, I know Bruce uh, Chappelle sat in um, with the uh, the memorial for the saxophonist who passed away. Um, oh, no, absolutely. He was playing in my band, Ken Cicerell. Yeah. He yeah. was my sax player in second time around. Uh, if you went to Milton Theater that night, that was me uh, playing the organ and playing the bass with my silly feet. Well, Bob, it has been awesome to spend some time with you. Uh, Where do people find you? Uh, How do they connect with you? How do they learn about the restaurants that you love? I know you've always been fair and and honest about those things. You're such a great resource for the area. Well, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Where do do Um, people find you? Everything pretty much grows out of RehobothFoodie.com. Uh, I, of course, I write weekly for the Cape Gazette, which I'm very pleased to be doing. I've been there. This is almost, this is actually my 10th year there, uh, writing on page 37 generally. Sometimes you find me on 33, but, uh, I write every week. The, it's the, the business of eating is the name of the column. I write for their seasonal paper, beach paper. You can find me in there. The column is called stepping up to the plate. Uh, and of course, I'm on the radio weekly on uh, 92.7 WGMD, talking beach eats from two to four every Saturday. Uh, and uh, you can, um, I, I, I can, I can bring the uh, airwaves down to their knees. I can lower the property values everywhere with my radio show. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very informal. It's very much like what what you and I just did except with commercials. <laughs> Bob, I, I, I read that you have an app. Do you have a, a social media platform that you prefer? Do you tweet? Are you somebody that uses Instagram? Um, I, to be able to follow you. I focus on the app is actually very popular. We just hit 44,000 uh, um, <coughs> uh, subscribers. I can't believe it. Uh, it's called Rehoboth in my pocket. Uh, it also is a travel. Uh, it is a travel app, and it's not just food, even though obviously the restaurant listings connect to RehobothFoodie.com if you want to read a review, uh, which I try desperately to keep up to date. Sometimes I fall behind a little bit because it's just me. But there's a lot of nice, nasty people that follow me, and they'll say, what the heck is wrong with you? You've got the wrong chef listed. And I'll say, thank you, and I'll go in and fix it. But Rehoboth in my pocket, you can get it for Android or iPhone or iPad. Uh, and, uh, that's, as I said, we, we hit 44,000 give or take people with that. Uh, I can be found on Facebook, uh, under the very simple name, Bob Yesbeck, Y-E-S-B-E-K. Uh, and everything on there is pretty much duplicated on the business page, which is called RehobothFoodie.com. All right. So follow Bob and, uh, it's almost time for lunch. Time to go get something to eat. Bob, it is. I already have some uh, some uh, evil plans for uh, something. Have you been to the Smash Mouth truck yet? No. Uh, again, this is a thing where you will need to make sure your affairs are in order. 
make sure everything is signed. He has a really, really good, and this isn't a commercial for him. It's just that uh, I was looking at the clock here thinking, I wonder whether he's opened that truck today or not. You got to find out where he is. You got to find him on Facebook. It's called Smash Mouth Burger. But uh, if you want a burger that's the size of your head, that's a place to go. Bob, thanks for being on the show. Have a great day. Thank you, Dustin. A pleasure.